Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. Oh, almost. (laughs) Fooled me. Uh, So we start every week with Good Thing. And Craig, be good. Yeah, so this week, I bet Dave can guess what my good thing is. Uh, I finally got around to playing Baba Is You. And Dave has exposed me to it. So shout outs to Dave for one of his previous good things. Um, He made me play some of it during uh one of the gdqs or speed gaming event that we did and it was pretty good and then i finally you know picked it up well at least my wife picked it up and i'm like i should finally really play this and holy crap the game is a lot larger than i thought i'm like how simple (laughs) can it be to just move a couple words around to like do things but the game really does a good job holy crap i'm impressed so um the yeah, premise is that you push hole. around <laughs> you push around these words to create um objects that can do certain things. Uh so your goal is to win, and that is actually one of the properties that you can the text that you can push around. So you can make different things be win, and then you go touch the thing that is win, and then you win the level. It's nice. And you can even make yourself win. And then hey, you won the level because you are win. So the goal cool. is to win. The goal so, is to win. I have a question for you, Craig. What type yeah. of animal is Baba? Um, he's like a groundhog thing. A ground? Okay. I mean, I don't. I think that it's ambiguous and it is. Yeah. So I just assumed that Baba was a sheep. It's like white and okay, fluffy, yeah, yeah. and and uh, their name is Baba. Baba I've heard multiple- is a black sheep who has been sheared. I mean. Duh, just, just think it through. <laughs> I've heard multiple people say Baba is a bunny. That includes my niece and also one streamer that was streaming the game referred to Baba as a rabbit. Uh, yeah, I was about to say rabbit, but it has no ears. So, But it's white. It does have ears. I think that's the... Oh, it doesn't have long ears. It has more, more sheep ears. I think that Baba is a sheep. But... It makes sense. Well, what is Kiki then? Uh, he's a gossamer. From Looney Tunes, the big red furry monster. So these are all <laughs> these are all things that can be in a level. You are not always Baba, even though the title of the game would say otherwise, because you can change what you are. I think yeah, that it's... the I think that Kiki is actually supposed to have spikes uh, in in its original character concept. So yeah, Baba is you. Pretty cool. Pick it up. It's cheap. I, I've been playing it on Switch. I think you can get it on all the major platforms. So. Yeah, I own it on Steam and on Switch. Like, I had it on Steam, full cleared it, and said, I want to be able to chillax and play this game as I'm falling asleep and replay. I'm actually on my uh, third playthrough right now. Like, I just, every once in a while, I just feel like having my brain muscles work. So, I don't remember every single solution. There's some I come to this level, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. And some it's like, I remember hating this one. How do you do this again? (laughs) Um, but yeah, great game. So, all right, Dave, be good. All right. Can anybody guess what my good thing is? Anyone have any guesses? I have one. What do you think, Tori? 
I think it's DuckTales. What? Who told you? <laughs> you did, like 10 minutes ago. Oh. So, yeah, my good thing is the 2017 reboot of DuckTales. Uh, straight off the bat, probably the funniest show I've seen since Steven Universe. It's hilarious. Um, it does everything that a reboot should. It brings back the familiar characters, but modernizes them. Um, I think the first thing that it did right is it took one of the most awful, worthless characters from the original DuckTales series, <laughs> Webigail, and turned her into, I don't want to say best character in this show because like the show as a whole is just really good, but she is amazing in the reboot. I, yeah, I actually heard she they did a really good job with her character. They did. She and honestly, it wasn't just like, oh, Webigail, Webigail is a, t- a t- terrible well, character, let's make her a good character. They, but they also made sense out of it. Like, Webigail is, you know, grow, grows up in a mansion with no other kids to play with. So, uh, and also her grandmother is really protective of her and teaches her how to defend herself. So, obviously, she's going to, like, run around trying to, like, kidnap the nephews when they come into the mansion, right? Like, obviously, she's just going to be, like, really capable but socially awkward. <laughs> Like, it's actually really, it works really well. They put a lot of thought into it. Uh, there's, you know, most of the old characters are there and, and a couple new characters. And they also, it's also really self-aware. And it gets a lot of the humor from that. Like, there's one part where another character other than Fenton uh, steals the Gizmo Duck suit. And Huey is just like, you're not Gizmo Duck. Your face is completely different. How's that going to fool anybody? <laughs> So yeah, um, but yeah, I honestly like I uh, I ordered some pizza and I, like, I need to kill about twenty thirty minutes till the pizza gets here. What can I watch? And I saw the Ducktales reboot, and I'm like, okay, this is probably just some late eighties, early nineties. The show came out in eighty seven, actually, the original late eighties, early nineties nostalgia cash grab. Like whatever, I'm I'm down to to kill half an hour. I ended up watching the entire season one. Uh, in two days and that's 22 episodes <laughs> so yeah i went from i need to kill half an hour this show is probably decent enough to entertain me for half an hour to i stayed up till 3 a.m two days in a row watching it uh it's it's fantastic you guys you should definitely check it out neat uh so my good thing this week is i think i'm doing a repeat i can't remember for certain but uh it's the tv show reaper which came out in 2007. It's about a uh, a guy who, on his 21st birthday, finds out that before he was born, his parents sold his soul to the devil, and now he has to do bounty hunting for hell. And it's great. Wait, wait. His parents sold his soul. How How can his parents own his soul to sell it in the first place? That's a good question that the show answers. Wait, really? Okay. I'm actually impressed. I thought they would just hand wave it, but that's cool. No, there's there's reasons and lore behind all of it that you get to eventually. Um, the show was canceled before it could give a full full proper explanation, but the the internet has the information you're looking for if you decide to watch all of it and then go digging. But yes, there's an explanation and it tracks. Cool. Uh, but yeah, Reaper. Great show. Canceled I, way too soon. I don't think I remember you talking about it. Uh, it has Ray Wise playing the devil. And Ray Wise is amazing. And he's a really good devil. That's it. That's all I have. Tori? 
Um, so I started watching Kingdom last night on Netflix, and I know Mike has talked about that before. And I have not. You haven't? No. Hey, I Tori. Thought, yes. I couldn't tell that this would be your good thing. I just obviously, like, I had no idea. I'm completely blindsided. <laughs> oh, well, it must have been one of you guys that told me to watch it because I texted everyone last night and I was like, are you the one that told me to watch this? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, it's <laughs> really good. You should watch it. <laughs> and... Yeah, I don't know what this is. You just started talking about it. And it's funny for those of you who, if you look in our Discord, Tori's first message is just started Kingdom, slow start. When's it get good? Followed by what, an hour, two hours later? Dang, it got good fast. I'm on episode three now. And you guys have to understand that I don't really watch TV anymore. Like my attention span as I get older, the this thing like atrophies and and I can't sit still and do stuff like I used to. Like even getting through Final Fantasy Seven the past two weeks which i'm I'm done with it now um Aww. i could only do that for like two hours at a time i mean i'm not done with it i restarted it on hard mode but like <laughs> the I, one where you can't buy items you can buy items you just can't use items it makes no sense you still, <laughs> you still find items in the treasure chest and things and the bosses still drop them like even out of combat you can't use, use them this. <laughs> right um <laughs> But, what do uh, I do with this potion? How do I you, possibly use this liquid in a potable look, door? When you play Final Fantasy, that's weird. You're gonna hoard all the elixirs and stuff anyway. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. You are. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, so I have no attention span. So usually when I watch TV, I'll I'll do like one episode and then I'll go do something else. And sometimes I don't even get through the whole episode. I'll just be like, eh, if I turn it off here, Netflix is going to remember where I stopped and then it'll pick it up next time. Um, so I started this show, which I'm, I was so sure one of you guys told me to watch it. I have no idea where I got the idea to watch it. If it wasn't one of you guys, um, an ad. So wait, can you tell me about, I don't actually know anything about it. Okay, so this is, uh, and and I'm not up on Korean history, but this is like um, a a few hundred years ago in Korea, there's um, kind of the the family is fighting over the throne. Okay, there's um, the king has his his wife passed away and he remarried this younger woman and she is carrying his child. Meanwhile, there is a crown prince who is actually... uh, just the son of a concubine like he's not the legitimate heir uh unless this woman doesn't have a a child by the king you know and so suspiciously the king has been ill nobody has seen him for days and um the crown prince starts to suspect that the king has actually died and that the uh queen consort is covering it up uh trying to stay in power until her child is born and the king is a zombie like it they that's not a spoiler or anything it's in the first like two minutes of the show you see that like (laughs) that was her solution to making it look like the king was alive is that she has had some doctor come in and do something that has turned the king into a zombie and so they've got the king locked up in some other room um in chains and they're trying to make it seem like he's still alive and and I'm like, okay, yeah, the king's a zombie. There's going to be, and, and so it's like historical fiction and zombies at the same time. And I'm like, okay, there's going to, this is going to be a zombie show. Like I'm expecting 
a heckin' lot, lot of zombies and and then they don't show up. And they don't show up and they don't show up like in the in the first like five minutes of the show, somebody gets eaten by the king and you're like, Oh, this is how the zombies happen. No, no. They 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 take you through all of this Game of Thrones political intrigue between these families that don't get along and, and I'm like, When do, when are the zombies? I, I came here for zombies and and in the last like five minutes of the first episode, something happens that you're like, oh no. And that's there the there there are the zombies. And it just it just speeds through the zombie apocalypse from there. And it is awesome. So, so, so how do we watch this? It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. And uh it's only two seasons, six episodes per season. That's another thing, like because my attention span is so short anymore, I won't start something. If it's got hundreds of episodes, I'm like, eh, nah, not, mm-mm, no. And, and, but this I looked and I was like, oh, it's only a few episodes. Even if it consumes my life, it's only going to do it for a day or two. So, um, yeah, it has consumed my life. Uh, I got through four episodes in one night. That's a lot for me. That's a lot for me. And I'm going to watch some more this afternoon. So, um, yeah, really good. I have no idea how I found out about this, you guys. Well, it wasn't me, because I had to look it up after you started posting about it. <laughs> I can't think of anyone here mentioning it, so this just popped into your head, and you're like, I need to watch this. And Dave only watches cartoons, so, like, that's that's it. That's not true. I, <laughs> I watch Twitch streams. But if they were animated, <laughs> better. I, I'm like, actually, that's a good question. What's the... What's the last live action show I actually really got into? Hey, Dave, you read some chapters this week. But before I, mean, I we'll, get, we'll to, get that, to that, I kind of want to see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. The last, I'm like, I guess sometimes my sister has Parks and Recreation on, and that's kind of funny. You watched Psych, though, didn't you? I watched, yeah, I watched a ton Psych of, like, Mom. plenty of live action shows, but when's the, what, what's the last one that I actually watched and got into? I guess I got back into news radio recently, so. That's I guess that recent. counts. That's good. Um, also, like Arrested Development is a show and is live action, and the first three seasons are phenomenal. Uh, but anyway, back to—I actually forgot to mention one of the best things. <laughs> speaking of live action shows, one of the best things about the Ducktales reboot, and that is the voice of Scrooge McDuck is none other than David Tennant, as in the Tenth Doctor, David Tennant. Doctor Who—that's oh, a good live action show. <laughs> Nice. Oh my gosh, I love David Tennant's voice acting. I love it. He do, he narrates a lot of audiobooks like he does the um the How to Train Your Dragon books and he is phenomenal. Hmm. I would love to I've never read How to Train Your Dragon, but I would love to hear David Tennant read it to me. I will say it's nothing like the movie, but right, the movie not, is really good. The movie just kind of took the there are Vikings, there are dragons and these are the characters names. That's where the similarities end. Yeah, they did their own story, which again, definitely a future or previous good thing is How to Train Your Dragon, the movie. I don't know about the book. I love so the Dave. movie better than the books. <gasps> Tori, that's from a librarian. I know. So Dave, uh, so Dave, you read uh, some interludes and a chapter this week, right? Uh, yeah. In fact, the, it was chapter fifty-two, which kicks off part four. But before that, I read interludes seven, eight, and nine. And have very sparse notes for the interludes. But here they are. Interlude 7. Av and Baxil. Art thief lady that doesn't steal art. 
Uh, yep, that's pretty much that interlude. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> All right. Any questions? I honestly yeah, like. Tell us about it. I don't. I don't know. There's this guy. He has a crush on her. His boss, but she's like an art thief or something. But she just. She's just a vandal. She doesn't actually steal the she's art. An art vandal. And there was some mention of the old magic, and I can't remember if that was interlude seven or interlude eight. They kind of ran together, and it wasn't that's... important until I got like old. Like it didn't strike me as important at all until i got to chapter 52 and i didn't go back to verify interlude uh, seven is the one that talks about night watcher night watcher yeah so apparently there's this old magic and if you find night watcher which some people say is just a really powerful spren then you get a blessing but also she curses you with it and this one dude got a curse where he saw the world is upside down and he's like eh and that's the end. Of the <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so I will point out the curse is not related, not necessarily related to the blessing. Okay. Brand. As you can tell from seeing the world upside down to do whatever it is that he saved his family from the economic disaster. He got cloth. He got some good cloth he could sell. Uh, right. That was his boon. His curse was seeing the world upside down. Uh, I would also like to additionally point out that the boon you get isn't necessarily the one you ask for. It's mm, whatever true. the Night Watcher feels you deserve. Hmm. And there's yeah. more going on in this interlude that we'll talk about during spoiler time, because you're not <laughs> ready for it <laughs> yet, Dave. Uh-huh. Alright, chapter I-8. Interlude 8. Some monks eat cake and do math. That's all I got out of it. So, so hold on, hold on a second. This is legit stuff that is world built. I wouldn't say it's it's necessarily about the magic system because they're they're analyzing sprint. I mean, to this be fair, that's of all is. I got out of it the first time <laughs> I read it. So all right, yeah, well, clearly chat. we're gonna have a little chat in Spoiler Town. Yeah, I got more out of it this time that we can chat about later. But yeah, Dave is <laughs> Dave is on point. <laughs> so tell us, well, what what are these uh, ardents doing? Math baking. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, what do you want from me? Also, they're clearly in love, and I ship them so hard. <laughs> I think they ship themselves. I, I thought they were married. They get kind of shipped in this chapter, but they're ardent, so it's kind of weird. Like, actually, the dude... Uh, ardents does... are allowed to... Oh, maybe not. No, they ardent. aren't. Sort well, of. Capsule wasn't, but was he really an ardent? Anyway. He um, doesn't count. He, he did. Don't matter. Uh... <laughs> Well, the the guy Ardent does refer to the lady as my love, so he's kind of flirtatious, even if that's all that it is. Well, there's that line about, um, you know, they've she's she's had a whole life of devotion, and she's not going to screw it up in the last chapter, which leads me to believe that you know she's she's been faithful and not doing that the whole time, and but that she's tempted. That's that's how I feel about it. There's no winking. There's no fading out. There is cake mm. and math. <laughs> you gotta math. keep it with cake and math. All right, cake and math is the official opposite of winking and fading out. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> the opposite of Netflix and chill. It's cake and math. Can't they go together? Apparently not. That's the point. You either do one or the other. I don't know. All right, any questions about interlude A? Any questions about math while we're on the topic? I feel like we got a lot out of that <laughs> chapter. What do you mean, we? I include you as well. You got a lot out of it. What did I get out of it? Cake and math. <laughs> Two of my favorite subjects. <laughs> Way better than the options Eddie Izzard gives you. It's true. Cake or death. Cake, please. 
Oh, we're fresh out. Oh, wait a second. In Portal, the cake was a lie, but in Mario 64, Princess Peach bakes a cake for Mario. And it's not a lie. So which one is it? But Portal's all about math, so I guess you have to choose between cake and math sometimes. I think that's the life lesson. (laughs) So my choices are death or death? (laughs) Cake isn't death, unless it's death by chocolate. I read a uh, a fun thing the other day that uh, what if Chell was deaf in Portal? Like <laughs> the whole game I'm heard gonna think nothing. Of next time, next time I play, I'm gonna think about that. That's really funny. Well, hold on, that's a meta. Then that that means Glados is actually talking to you, the player, and not Chell. No, it means that Glados is talking and nobody's listening to her. Yeah, and Chell also simple. doesn't get to hear the lemon speech. What a shame. Yeah, man, I like Portal 2. I gotta play that again. The last time I played Portal 2 was when I bought the Steam controller, and it played... The Steam controller was good enough to play Portal 2, let's just say that. But keyboard and mouse is clearly better. Yeah, keyboard and mouse is a lot better. Well, it, I think it depends a lot on like what kind of game you're playing. I used it for Dark Souls and made out okay with it, but I think that I would prefer to use my Switch Pro controller next time I play Dark Souls. But Dark Souls is a little more controller-friendly than, you know, keyboard and mouse. That's true. Where, where something like Portal is going to be way more keyboard and mouse-friendly than controller yeah, Dark Souls isn't a first-person shooter? I guess you shoot portals? Is Portal considered a first-person shooter? I would say so. You shoot portals, and it's first-person, so as, I guess... As so. far as controls go, at least. Yeah, it controls like one. Man, we sure got a lot more out of Interlude 8 than I thought we would. Anyone want to move <laughs> on? Sure. Tell me about Zeth Sun Sun Villano. Alright, interlude nine, Death Wears Way. Zeth goes on a killing spree. Hannah Vanar, King of Yakaved. The enemy is down. So I couldn't help but think of Ender's game the way that uh Zeth was manipulating gravity. So yeah, we got to see yeah. some some we got to see some more David Bowie powers or lashings, as they're called. Um, and also he the kind of the interlude kind of fades out right as about right as he raises his knife and is about to kill han hanavanar king of yakovet which is where shalan is from but i think we're done with shalan for the rest of the book so well it's still Mm. good to know where that land is yeah and we just got we get a couple of reminders that yakovet has a lot of shard bearers as well, so that's kind of important. I honestly forgot that it was a different country from Alethi. Well, they have uh, half shards too. Keep that in mind. They, they oh yeah, Yakoved. They invented the they invented the, the unstoppable sh- shields that block the unstoppable forces and created a logical paradox. That's right. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so Goblin King Seth kills a king. Goblin king. king. The Goblin. Oh right, David Bowie. Gotcha. Yeah, he eschers all over the, the palace. <laughs> that should be the first. Yeah. Why do they call it lashing? He eschers all over it. <laughs> and that's the end of this week's interludes. But we have one chapter to go. You don't want to talk more about that interlude? What's there to say? I felt like he said a lot. Zeth kills the guy. He I mean, also... he invented us a new verb and everything. What more do you want, Mike? Uh, he also takes out two full shard bearers in seconds when back in the prologue, it it was like a long drawn out fight with one. 
Well, that yeah. was Sadius, though. Sadius is a seasoned veteran. It wasn't Sadius. It was Gavilar. Yeah, he was. Well, so that's the point. Gavilar's really good. Wait, it was Gavilar? The, the, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sadius ran off pretending to be Gavilar. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a ploy. But yeah, the point is. Yeah. But, Seth I mean, killed the point. guy who's dead and didn't kill the guy who isn't dead. <laughs> but Gavilar is also a seasoned veteran. Yeah, and I think I just want aren't? to talk it up to Gavilar being really mm. good with shard plate. Really? Okay, listen. They're Yakoved, uh shard bearers. Hello? Yeah. Hi. They're we not, hear you. They're not as competitive as the Alethi. True. That is true. Uh, sorry, Tori. What's up? Why Why did everything stop? I don't know. Shall we move on to part four? Yes. Dave? Part four, Storm's <laughs> Illumination. I should remember who Navani is, but I don't. Is that Queen Mom? And it yes, is. I did is remember. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually in this chapter, though it's not written from her perspective. All right. Chapter 52, Highway to Helios. The chapter is actually titled A Highway to the Sun. So it, it's. I thought that was... No, nothing? It's clever. It's clever. Thank I you. like it. <laughs> uh, even though I normally pronounce it Helios. For the joke, I had to say Highway to Helios. All right. I got Adeline, you. Adeline ties his dad to a chair. Eight weeks equals 40 days. Fever Stone Keep. The Day of Recreance. Night Watcher and the Old Magic. Navani Scribe. Navbailamani? Okay. And that's the end of this week's chapters. What just You, you want to take another run at whatever <laughs> that last bit was supposed to be? I don't understand. Um, I think it was a joke at 4 a.m. I feel so, like he just wrote a bunch of vowels and like I'm gonna pronounce this tomorrow. Yeah, like I said, it was I, it was the last thing I wrote down before I went to sleep last night. Or or you started writing it down and you went to sleep. Like 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 you it's like in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know. The Grail can be found the, at Castle Ah. Oh. Nav by Limani. So it's I think it has because like Nivani leaves like at the end of the scene she like is trying to spend some private time with Dalinar, but he sends those, her away. Those syllables definitely sound similar. <laughs> From what I recall. I'm a good note taker, guys. Clearly. Alright, so chapter fifty two, uh we have another one of Dalinar's visions. A high storm is coming, so he has Adeline and Renarin tie him to a chair and keep him safe while he thrashes about in his vision. And he has a vision of the Day of Recreance, which is the day the... Don't tell me. Heralds? No. Dang it. Oh, the um, Illuminati. No, don't tell me. <laughs> uh, Radiance. The day the Radiance abandoned mankind. So there it's funny because I'd Illuminati like to tell you you're right, but you keep telling me not to tell you. <laughs> illumination as in radiant so i i'd go with illuminati that's fine that's fine okay so the radiance uh abandoned mankind so about 300 of them there are 10 order orders of the radiance and there's always 10 10 of everything mm-hmm. 10 of clubs Except days in the week apparently so yeah in his vision um just real quick 
he mentions someone says eight weeks and he says 40 days. So I, I know we've talked about this before, but are there five days in a week? Yes. It's definitely yep. less than seven if he's because seven times eight would be 56, except according to Douglas Adams. All right. So they have recreant. So they leave all of their. So these 300 or so uh, radiants just leave their shard blades and their shard plates. And they're also more glowy when the radiants have them. They're less glowy these days for whatever reason. And they're just like leave all their shard blades and shard plates at this keep, Beaverstone keep, and they walk away. And then all of the soldiers from the keep start fighting and killing each other. And there's utter mayhem trying to claim these powerful treasures. And then the one radiant who is the main voice in Dalinar's visions says, unite them. And then we go back to the, the physical place where he's tied to a chair. And he's like, all right, go. Get Navani, go get your Aunt Navani to scribe down all of these words, all the visions. Or no, it's actually Renarin that has the idea. He's like, Hey, why don't do you remember any details from your vision? Why don't we fact check them and if you know all of the details in your vision we can disprove from the records of history, then we know that you're just a crazy old quack. And so he's like, That's a good idea. Go go get Navani, because she's the only scribe that he trusts not to tell anybody else like, oh, sure, she'll use the knowledge against him and try to manipulate him. But she's not going to tell on him. So they get Navani and she's all flirty with him and Delinar all but uh, wants to go along with it. But um, the last objection that he's willing to make to, to get her to go away, uh, she actually does leave and doesn't try to uh, force some quality time on him anymore. And that's the end of chapter 52. All right. Uh, so, yeah. We got three brief interludes and a lot in chapter 52. And none of us know anything about that forced quality time. Like, that's not a thing that any of us have experienced in the past, What what's it been, six weeks? Nope. <laughs> Is that what we're going to call this now? Six weeks. That's almost 30 days. It is 30 days. Exactly. <laughs> what? In, in Rosharian weeks. Wait a minute. Six times seven is... <gasps> there it is. We figured it out. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to tie all this back into 16 and then order a pizza. I mean, the high storms are kind of like the mists, right? There you go. Yeah, and, there it is. And, and I mean, we do know that instead of rain, it rains down pizza. <laughs> what? <laughs> what if it rained pizza? What if? Tomatoes and cheese. Actually, I don't think that would go very well. Cloudy Wait, with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> like, didn't they write a book slash movie about that? Yes, I just said the title just now. Uh, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. And pizza. Right. And pepperoni. So I've seen that movie. I've only seen it once. Matt and I, uh, this was a while ago, we got it from the Blockbuster. <laughs> and we watched it together. Or? And the scientist in this movie, I don't even remember his name. Um <laughs> He's um he's got a monkey and Flynn the monkey Lockwood. can talk. And um and this monkey can talk. And so even though we've only seen the movie once and it was years ago, Matt and I are constantly quoting this monkey at each other. <laughs> Gummy bears! Steve What's the guy's name, Steve? I don't no know. No one was named hey, Steve. Steve. The monkey said Steve, but no one was named Steve. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was written and directed, I believe, by uh, Lord and Miller, who went on to do many, many things like 21 and 22 Jump Street, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, about two-thirds of Solo before they got replaced by the studio with Ron Howard at enormous expense. Uh, so, Dave, do you have any questions for us? Oh, I did have one thing that came to mind that's, uh, well, I'll just say this this old magic having a blessing coming along with a curse, it kind of reminds me of Kaladin's situation. Like, his blessing is that he can't die, but his curse is that everyone around him dies. And I don't think that Kaladin himself would have really had the opportunity to interact with Nightwatcher, so... I actually kind of wonder if maybe Liren, you know, in as his two sons went to the army, maybe not Liren, but maybe um, Mrs. Liren, maybe one of them. Hestia? Hesina. Hesina. Yeah. Uh, maybe one of them actually sought Night Watcher to try to protect their sons, and they got the blessing of Kaladin will be protected and the curse of uh, Ezrin will not, and not Ezrin. <laughs> the, guy, Tien. The, kid that, Tien. Yeah, the kid that reminds me of Ezrin. From Dragon Prince. Uh, and Tien would not, or that, like, everybody that, like, Kaladin, like, the blessing was Kaladin will be protected, but the curse is that Kaladin, anyone that Kaladin tries to protect will die. So, there's definitely something supernatural going on with Kaladin, so I wonder if it has something to do with Night Watcher. Did you want an answer to that one? Nope. Okay. I just, just wanted to make it official before I read on and find out that I was completely right or completely wrong. Sounds like you want a refill. That was the only thing that I could really come up with uh, on the broader scope of Way of Kings for this point. All right. Um, anyone got anything for Dave right now? Have fun with your special thing in 15 minutes. Yep. All right. Go away, Dave. Bye. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, we're back. Uh, so, who's got spoiler stuff? Probably me. Because I have a couple of spoiler things. I, I suspect we're going to talk about the same thing, so why don't you go ahead? Well, uh, to start with, Craig, this week you posted a really fun theory from Reddit. Would you like to tell us about that? Uh, I have to find it. <laughs> what did I post? Uh, Are you talking basically about the... that the Harold Ishar uh, went dark side and is basically behind every bad thing that's happened in the last 4,500 years on Roshar. Right, so... Someone posted this theory. Hold on. His name is Yog Yogs Chalapa on on the Cosmere subreddit. Um, so shout outs to that guy. And Give me one it, second, it, and I'll I'll actually like find out how that's possibly um, better pronounced. But but he's talking about ODM's cha uh, champion. Like who could it be, and why it's not Moash? Because um, there's there's a line of text that talks about. Um, how ODM doesn't really wouldn't just cho choose some guy, some random dude, Moash. But the point is that this person took a really good look at the heralds, and there's a lot of talk about the herald name Ishar. He's the the god priest ruler of um, what's what's the land? One of them out in Makabaki. I forget which one. He is the ruler of Tukar. 
as the god priest. So so he's already ruling. Um, man, there's a lot of information here. So I'm, I'm trying to do the cliff notes here. But the important thing is that Nail does what he says. And part of the thing that Nail was doing was killing off Radiance, which is an interesting thing that Ishar would tell him to do. He's um, also listed in the prelude as being the one who suggested abandoning the Oath Pact and that it would hold anyway. Right. And also, um, yeah, so the fact that Nail follows what, what he has to say, um, keep in mind that it was also stated, I think, in that prelude chapter that everyone's mind was broken. Like, all the heralds basically had their mind broken in some way. That's no, why that, Nail has... That comes okay. up in, I want to say, the Words of Radiance or the Oathbringer prologue with okay. in a conversation between um, Nail and Kalak. Okay, so so the point is, all of the, the heralds have this in some way, aside from maybe Town, who was just being tortured for 4,500 years. And that um, was great for his sanity, just, just super good sure. for it. So he's not going to, they, they claim that Ishar seems to have his mind attack, but, you know, suspicions say that's not going to be the case. But the important thing is, as we mentioned, he was the one who sort of came up with the idea of breaking the oaths. And he's also the one who gave Nail the idea of killing Radiance as they pop up. Maybe he's not necessarily working for Team Good Guy, and he's actually a covert agent for Odium in some way. There's some very interesting things that have happened in Rocher's past. And keep in mind that he's ruling as a god king. Um, per- perhaps he's up to no good. So it's sort of like there's a very detailed post. We actually post it in our um, spoiler discussion channel. It's a really good theory. So shout outs to the guy whose name I can't fully pronounce. Uh, let me take a crack at it. That is Yogesh Shalapa, there you which go. I think is pretty close to what Craig said. It's it's a long and fairly unwieldy name. So, hey, if you happen to listen to this at some point, hit us up. Let us know. And yeah, let us know how to pronounce that. If if that were to ever if if we ever cross paths. So, oh man, there's so much good stuff. So he goes through the details of Roshar, um, pointing out some things. The fact, no, I don't want to go over that. There, there's one thing that's happening in present day. Um, this is from Oathbringer, where they mention that Shadesmar has been changing these past last months. Voidsprint have appeared mysteriously just west of the Nexus of Imagination, near Marat or Tukar on your side, which Tukar, again, is the land that he rules. So it's interesting that Voidsprint are popping up over there. Now, the Everstorm does go west to east, so it could just be related to that. But there also could be reasons that uh, they're coming from the Tukar area. So Another important point that this brings up is that Ishar, uh, his herald powers, his, his honor blade, uh, gives him the powers of a bondsmith, uh, which is yeah. a... He uh, bondsmiths are potentially the most powerful of the Knights Radiant because of their ability to manipulate connection on a potentially massive scale. Dalinar's not there yet, but he'll probably get there soonish. Um, this, according to this theory, uh, Ishar caused the false desolation, which is a bit of the history of Roshar that I should have worked out but didn't until I read this. And it's kind of an important piece that brings a lot of stuff together. Um, so what what this theory suggests is that Ishar 
using bondsmith powers, um, bound one of the unmade Bo Edo Mishram to almost all of the listeners. Right, and that's which, how they become. That's how they lose their connection and identity. Right. Uh, in in one the of the man. in one of the epigraphs in Oathbringer, I think uh, it talks about the last bondsmith um, who actually go, sets out to go fix this, uh, and then the implication then is that um, that bondsmith bound Boedo Mishram into a perfect gem. Uh, and doing so because of what Ishar had done, then cut off both their both the listeners' um, connection and identity, putting them into the the state that they are in the well the current day previous to the Everstorm of Parchment. Um, I'll also point out that Ishar, this is from Oathbringer, refuses to be a part of Dalinar's alliance. We know that because only uh, the, whatever the place Salayan, Salenia. Soleil. Soleil? What? I thought it was the Thalans. Thalans? Thalans were the only ones who... Anyway, point is, uh, Tukar is not part of the Alliance, and he actually demands that the Alethi turn Urethru over to him. So, yeah, he he wants power. My original take on that was, oh, it's, it's a herald, and his personal insanity is that he's gone all God King, and yeah which still could be the case, but it also plays incredibly well into this theory. Listen to how he calls himself. Tizium the Great, last and first man, herald of heralds and bearer of the Oath Pack. His grandness, immortality, and power be praised. That's him describing himself to Dalinar. Yeah, it also doesn't necessarily reek of sanity, to, to my reading. Yeah, true that. So yeah, so the point is we should keep an eye out for any reference to Kar, uh, Ishar, because that's his name, or Tezium, because that's the name he's currently going by. So keep an eye out for that, and keep in the back of your mind, there's a chance that he's working for Odium instead. And that that could go along with that. Don't we have this thing where there's always... So we have the number 10. 10 is super important. But we also have a lot of references to number 9 when it comes to Odium. And also, like, there's nine, one is different, or it's like we have nine plus one where the one is different, something like that, which is what we have in the case of the Heralds, where nine gave up the Oath Pack, one town was the one who kept it. So there's always, we have the number 10 popping up a lot, we have the numbers nine plus one coming up a lot. Or 10 minus one. 10 minus one. Uh, We have the fact that there's nine unmade, but one of them seems to want to switch sides, which is what we got from Oathbringer as well. The uh the sentient unmade who can warp Sprin, she claims she wants to work with Team Good Guys. I'm not sure if I trust that, but well, she did she did give a genuine warning to Shalon that unfortunately sure. she wasn't able to heed it, but like Look, I'm tried. gonna be I'm I'm gonna be suspicious. She's an unmade. I don't know if we can trust that. And she did make uh Renar and Sprin corrupted. But it doesn't seem to have actually affected anything no it allows him to see the future which is a useful thing so that's why i'm like maybe maybe it's a good point is we get this nine we get this one that wants to be different is this the case for the heralds i don't know i'm moving forward assuming that that unmade is operating in good faith okay that's fine i'm talking about ishar 
And I think we definitely want to keep an eye out for references because he could totally be a double agent. Yeah, I'm I'm also moving forward, assuming that Ishar is operating in bad faith. Okay. We might get a little more. So I'll, I'll keep in mind uh, as a reminder that book four, Rhythm of War, which will be coming out for us later this year, um, at the time of this recording, is going to be Seth's book where we should get preludes. Uh, sorry. What? No. Flashbacks. Not Seth. Yeah. Venli and Eshenai. Oh, Rhythm Venli, of War. Why did I say Seth? Seth is book five. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, let me start over. Eshenai and Venli's flashbacks are book four. Book five is Zeth's book. What I meant to say was originally us, Brandon wasn't sure if he wanted Zeth's book to be book three and Dalinar to be book five, but instead he felt like it was better for Dalinar to be book three. So it's it's curious that originally Dalinar flashbacks were going to be book five, which I, I suspect would have been the ultimate hearing about his wife and what happened and you cannot take my pain type thing. That could have been the reason why he wanted to save it for book five as an ultimate climax. But what are we going to get? What are we going to get from Zeth's flashbacks? That's when we're going to find out why he becomes truthless, I suspect. Why he thinks the the radiants are coming back and perhaps we'll even get to see him training with the with the honor blades. And that that could, uh, I don't know, it could tie together some way. All right, let's go back to the chapters we actually covered this week. Uh, yeah. First off, Baxel. Sure. Uh, who is working for Shalash, the Herald of Beauty. Hey, uh, another Herald. Who I believe actually goes by Ash. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, her her deal is that she wants to destroy art of her. Not sure why, but she is. There, there's a suspicion that she regrets breaking the Oath Pact, and she feels like she doesn't deserve the veneration. So that's why she wants to destroy her artwork. But... I will point out when I did the reread of this, I sort of forgot briefly and until she started destroying the art. But her description makes her sound like a world hopper. When when she is described, it's the same way they describe other world hoppers, which is sort of like this race, but different. And she is yep. described in the same way. And I'm like, at first, I'm like, is this Chris? Like, because I wasn't sure. But of course, reading on, it's actually Ash and not Chris. But I will point out, I felt like there was a lot of physical similarities between her description and Chris's subscription or description. Yeah, that tracks. Um, and then the other the other point of this interlude is to give us uh, give us information about the old magic, the Night Watcher, boons and the curses. Boon and the curse. Like basically lay out the rules for that, but be- right before it actually becomes important to because Dalinar is about to bring it up in the next chapter, uh, right? And then yeah, if if we have that grounding, he doesn't have to explain it to people who already know what's going on. So this is important, Dave. I like Dave's thinking. Like, hey, who could have went and did this old magic? We have this boon and curse thing. So uh, Dalinar, of course, has it. His curse. Wait, or his boon is to forget Evie. We don't actually know because his thing is weird. It was actually given to him by cultivation, not the Night Watcher. And it, it was all part of her plan that he would remember at an important time, which we see in Oathbringer. So that's cool. Um, but we do know that uh, uh, Tara v- Vangian, he has also from cultivation, but he has a boon and a curse. And it's essentially that he can't, he either has great intellect or great compassion but he can't have them at the same time 
which ultimately results to him having really super smart days and also really dumb days where he's super compassionate and really upset over what he's actually doing. I would argue that on many of his really smart days, he's also still pretty dumb. Like publicly demanding that a choir of children that he asked for be put to death rather than just asking them to stop singing and go away, please. Well, so that's the whole point of them having the the test to determine can he actually make decrees. And they even state it's not necessarily when he's super intelligent that he's allowed more so as long as he's roughly in the middle. If he's too intelligent, he can't do certain things. And if he's too uh, stupid, he also can't make certain things. So basically when he's about the middle in terms of compassion and intellect, he's allowed to do stuff. But yeah, he he has a boon and a curse. And then we also have Lyft, who we have not met yet. Uh, she also went and visited Night Watcher with the request that she never ages. However, the effect is that she can eat storm or eat food and produce stormlight, which is again really weird. So yeah, really super weird bizarre. Things. But it's good to keep an eye out for people who might have done the old magic. And my large adult son. Uh... Jeez, what's his name? The guy from uh, Scadriel, who then shows up on Felt. Felt, yes. Thank you, Tori. Uh, Attempts to go to the Night Watcher, but he's a little bit too foreign. Hmm, right. That was a great line in Oathbringer. Just really enjoyed that one. So Night Watcher's based in... Is is her perpendicularity in the Horn Eater Peaks? Is that the one? Uh, Cultivations, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But she hangs out in that one valley with... Uh, with the Night Watcher, or at least sometimes. Right. She probably moves around a bit to keep Odium and Odium's folks from, like, pinpointing her. Yeah, I think you have to because of Odium. Same thing with Honor. His perpendicularity is usually with the Stormfather, so it just moves. It's also wildly dangerous to use because if you're... If you can't breathe in Stormlight, uh, you're probably going to die before you get a chance to actually go through it right that was another thing i think i was reading in the theory about how honors perpendicularity is now dangerous but i can't remember what the theory was related to that anymore it's at the front of a giant hurricane that circles the planet every few days right but seems dangerous enough to me mm, there's something else but let's not worry about it like maybe it's not you know being used as a prison for a shard dangerous but it's still pretty dangerous so I did want to very briefly touch on the Ardents. They're doing cake and math. Um, and they're so cute. This is So the importance of this is the fact that it's showing the tie with the cognitive realm. Just the idea of having, having thoughts about the sprint. In this case, you're measuring it. So you have a belief that the sprint is X inches in height sort of locks them into that display from the cognitive to the physical. The fact is, Sprint mostly exists in the cognitive realm. Like that, The majority of their body is located in the cognitive realm with little bits that that slip through into the physical realm that people see as Sprint, but in reality, it's just, like I said, it's just a small piece. It could be a finger. It could be a tongue in some cases. It's just a weird tongue. So, uh, yeah. This also provided a fairly crucial clue to early readers who were paying attention, people much smarter than me, uh, to how fabrials work. Go on. That you trap a spren in a gemstone and then manipulate uh, it in whatever way. Okay. 
I was wondering what sh- what you were talking about. But yeah, this there were people who figured it out just from Way of Kings, and this interlude was like the biggest clue to how that worked. Okay. Can you explain it some more? Because I still don't know how it works. Um, how Fabrials work? No, how did the people make the jump from this chapter to that? Oh, they're just really, really smart, and they put things together, and they ask questions of Brandon at signings and work things out. Yeah, this is why it's really hard to read some of the words of Brandon, because people are really clever. Like, I don't know the necess- like I don't necessarily know the the cognitive leaps that they took to to form the conclusions that they did. Uh, I'm I'm basically saying, well, this smart math guy used calculus to to do math. And then he was right. <laughs> I can't actually explain the process because I'm not there. You know, I do, again, have to say, like, kudos to Brandon for making such a consistent magic system that this stuff, can, like, people can make deductions and things make sense. Like, the guy has done his work to make it a consistent system, which makes this a very enjoyable read. Anything in the Cosmere is enjoyable for, I think, partially because of that reason. And the guy's, of course, good at writing. That helps. So next up is the Zeth interlude, where he just kills everybody. Holy crap. He does. And, yeah, he's trying to convince himself that he that he's he's far too far gone to actually feel remorse at this point, and is just sort of leaning into the whole, well, I guess I have to murder everyone deal. I mean... He feels remorse, though. He's trying to force himself not to be, but that's important for when he joins Team Good Guy. The fact that he can be redeemed is because he feels remorse. If he was just a cold-blooded, I-do-not-care killer, I wouldn't want him on our team, on Dalinar's team. And but it, the guy has remorse. It's just he was told he's truthless, and it turns out that was a lie. He was He was telling the truth. The Radiants are coming back. Or at least that's part of it. We don't know the full story, I think. So I think I think the biggest part of this is that we get a a change to the call and response that we got earlier. Where earlier, what are you? I'm sorry. Now, what are you? I'm death. He's he's trying really, really hard to to not feel guilt about all of this. And it's right. not working. Yeah. The thing that strikes me in his thought processes here is the way he tries to convert it into anger, like, it's your fault. You had a party tonight, and therefore I have to kill all of these people because you invited them, and you did that on purpose. Like, he's trying to shift the blame from himself to this other guy and trying to justify it in his mind, and Well, he tries to do that. It doesn't seem to work too well until the king actually admits he knew he was coming, and so he planned this on purpose. And he's like, holy crap, you really did this. You really are partially to blame because you knew I was coming here and assassin to kill you. And you made me kill all these people. Yeah. And and I like how how that was done. Uh, so Fel Knight in the discord said, I can't imagine some members of Team Light looking at Adolin, for example, will be thrilled with working for with Zeth. And sure, uh, but his timing at the end of Oathbringer was pretty spot on. And yeah, when when someone pulls your butt out of the bacon that hard, it, it, there is some gratefulness that has to be there. I mean, we have seen in Way of Kings at the end, 
Dalinar will totally go to bat for you if you save his life. And he gave up his all precious shard blade for Kaladin for what he did. So yeah, dude can be grateful. Well, and also at the by the end of Oathbringer, Adolin has already admitted to himself and to others that he killed Sadius, and so he's not as pure. Like he doesn't have a leg to stand on there. Like right. I I mean he probably doesn't think so, but I would argue that there's a vast difference between. Yes, there's a vast the... difference between killing that one guy who needed killed so bad, and and killing. A whole bunch of people, which is what Seth did. But, um, I mean, England's not going to see it that way. You let the already blame the Parshendi. They have the vengeance pack. So I, I, I feel like they don't blame the assassin so much as they blame the people who, who got the assassin. So it's, it's going to be awkward, but I think they can accept working with Seth. But it's going to make for some interesting scenes. It took a while for Adeline to sort of like Kaladin. So, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. All right. Next up is the chapter proper. Uh, we get Dalinar's vision of the recreants of um, two orders of Knights Radiant dropping their shards and murdering their spren, which still need to know more about that to to figure out exactly what happened there. Um, right. Totally willing to blame Ishar on that based on based on that theory, though. <laughs> um. Do, does the... Oh, okay. It's the orders of the Stoneward and Windrunners that do this. Keep in mind, the Windrunners are the ones at Kaladin who have squires. Yep. They don't necessarily have Sprint or, but they still have some powers based on the on the main. Well, Orient. in order but, for them to have shard blades, they have to have Sprint. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. The squires get powers. They don't necessarily have shard blades. And if they get shard blades, that's because they bonded with the Sprint and they're going to become a Radiant in um, the process to do so. Um. So. Renarin comes up with the idea of um, having someone do research on this to to check out if it's right or not. Yeah, has he already bonded his friend, and is is that is that coming from from Gliss? I don't think so. I feel like his bonding with Gliss happens in Words of Radiance, or starts to anyway. Well, we <sighs> we see like in Words of Radiance, he's doing the carving the number of days on the wall. Right, that's in Words of Radiance. So I'm I'm wondering if he bonded it sooner than that and, and right, is getting one, some one insight think, at this point. One would think he's already bonded by the time he's carving the things in the walls. So at what point does that start? Yeah, I'm trying to find out, but it, the Copper Mine page isn't really clear because we, we aren't clear when this well, happens. And we're not getting Renarin's book until the back five, so... I mean, I think it's just overall a smart idea. I don't necessarily want to say, hey, it might be because his sprint was suggesting it. Maybe he's starting the process of bond. like it's it's as we mentioned, these things take time. So the process might have be starting. But I think it's just his good idea. The guy has good ideas. I mean, yeah, he's he's an intellectual. Yeah. Um, But I do want to quickly point out with the with the actual flashback here. This is this is. This is our first look at the recreants, and this whole thing is weird. They go up, they drop the shards, which, as we know, are their spren that they have bonded with. They're just willingly, like you said, they're they're killing them at this point and walking away, which also 
they, I'm sure, know the people will fight over these shard blades, killing each other. So, so they are killing their spren and they're killing indirectly some of the people in the Feverstone Keep, all for these shards. Like, this is why would you take, why would you choose to do this action? Especially if we're talking about Windrunners, who typically are about protecting the weak or people who they don't want to protect. Like, their ideals are that. I mean, yeah, you have to go against your oaths in order to kill the sprint, but it's just the whole combination. This is weird. Yep, I definitely need more information on this because it's there. There are some crucial missing pieces here. There are, and it's it's definitely in Oathbringer. We're told it's partially related to the fact that uh, humans or the the team find out that humans were the original Voidbringers, but that is so weak in comparison to the actions that are taking place here in this for the recreants, like some, something else has to be there. There's some other information that we're missing that causes them to take this action. And perhaps as it stands, I can't fathom it. Like if you look at just the relationship between Kaladin and Syl and how like they're, they're buds, like they're friends, they are, they are bonded. And then to to have someone that you have that relationship with that you are that good friends with and it's like i'm sorry but i have to kill you now i'm just gonna kill you right here gonna do it for the entire group of all the radiants to do it like there wasn't there wasn't one out there that was like i can't no this is my friend okay so uh a couple things with that one we really have to take a look at Kaladin's actions in Words of Radiance because that's where he comes the closest to almost abandoning his oaths. And you can see how Syl sort of weakens as he comes closer and closer to sort of abandoning the oaths that he made. Thankfully, he doesn't because Syl is best character. But it's that's the sort of thing we have to look at. Um, and the second thing is the false desolation that we that we were just talking about uh, related to potentially Ishar here but that happened right before the recreants and maybe there's a tie to the to the ultimate action of having the the singers losing their connection and identity there's a chance that maybe the same thing happened to the radiance that they lost their connection but like may, maybe sort of as a consequence to what happened to the um the parchment because if if the radiance lose their connection that means they no longer have a bond with their sprint because they're lacking that connection was removed. But I still doesn't explain why they would just drop their shards. So um, it's not necessarily a cause and effect. Maybe it's just a coincidence. I don't know the time frame between the false desolation and the recreants. All I know is the false desolation is before the recreants. And this the copper mine says right before. Yeah, immediately before tracks for me. Uh for around 2,000 years, the reason for the recreants remained unknown until it was rediscovered in the Elia Steel during the True Desolation. And it talks, yeah, it talks about the False Desolation as well. I'm going to have to, I'm going to keep an eye out for that when I do my reread of uh, Oathbringer. Um, one of the things that was was a major driving force to Kaladin potentially um, breaking his bond with Syl was this this idea of the greater good of, like, doing something that is best for everyone, but goes counter to his oaths. So I'm wondering if, if something like that isn't at play here as well. Hmm. Like Ishar convinced basically everybody that, oh yeah, 
like in order to like we're we're gonna destroy the world unless unless all of you except the skybreakers uh break your oaths kill your friend walk away that still doesn't seem like a good enough argument to me yeah but but i i wouldn't be surprised if it's something in that neighborhood then all right i think we've pretty well tapped out for this week uh anyone got anything else no i'm we talked about more than I thought we would from these chapters, but there you go. That's interludes for you. I also am good. All right. Then bye, everybody. Bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.